Well, good morning. I need to make sure you're awake before we begin. That way, if you fall asleep during, I know it's my fault, okay? Um, it, let me just ask, I've got a quick survey here to take. How many of you actually stayed up till past midnight on New Year's Eve? Come on now. A pretty good number of you. I'll tell you what my thing is. My thing is going to bed at 10.30 because I also get up at 5.30 to 6 no matter when I go to bed. So I was still in bed at 10.30. But this particular night, I woke up at 10 minutes till midnight, and I went out and I watched the ball drop with my wife, gave her a kiss, and went back to bed. That's what I did. Now, the next night, there was a ball game on. How many of you stayed up all night for that thing? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't put that one down, could we? Um, there was a lot of apprehension regarding that one, you know, how that was going to turn out. But boy, did that turn out. You are a whole lot more fun to preach to when the Buckeyes win. I can tell you that. Okay. Um, that's the way it was at Sunbury. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I want to have fun for these next two months. But I also want us to get into the heart of what God wants us to have here. And so we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount for this first uh, month of January. A little bit about myself before we get going, though. This, uh, we have three children, grown, and from that we have three grandchildren as well. Our oldest, Joel, uh, works right down the road at BMW Finance Company. So I, I had to pass by that to even get here. Uh, they have two daughters that are 13 and 16. And uh, my second-born daughter, uh, Kelly, is a manager for Target Store. Uh, she moved from one store around here in Columbus up to Erie, Pennsylvania, and so she is the uh, manager at the uh, Target Store up in Erie, Pennsylvania. She's the furthest one. And then... My youngest son, Brian, works at Chase, and his uh, wife is a school teacher at Olentangy. So we have roots here as, as well as ministry here, and uh, it keeps me coming back down to the Columbus. We call this the big city. I, you know, we make our weekly trip to the big city, kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies, if you can, yeah. But that's what we do, and that's who we are, and uh, I have enjoyed the ministry immensely. But I also get to do some things for the kingdom that, that I, I thoroughly enjoy doing, and that is working with elders, working with leadership, working with preachers, because I've been there, done that, and so it gives some measure of credibility uh, that I can walk into a situation. Sometimes a couple of churches that I've worked with have been in very difficult situations where that one uh, church, just the, the two elders that were left, the rest of them had gone, and they didn't even like each other. And that's the truth of it. So we spent two hours together just talking about relationships, what God wants to happen in this leadership, and then kind of worked through that in prayer and worked with that church. And I think they're in the right, right path again at this point. The Word of God, the Sermon on the Mount, it covers Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's a period of time in my life, 23, I was not yet married, didn't marry until I was 25, but I had a church, small church, 13 people. It was a renovated lawnmower shop. And God blessed that church, and we relocated and built a building and uh, did some, some wonderful things there. But before I got married, I thought, you know what, I've got extra time on my hands. I am lousy at memorizing scripture. 
And so I made myself take on the Sermon on the Mount. And I thought with that time on my hands, and the Sermon on the Mount in particular, because it's the sermon that Jesus preached, it's also found in different passages of the other Gospels. So you'll find parts of the Sermon on the Mount that he's using later when he's talking with other groups of people. You know, you'll do that. You have one presentation, but then you'll use parts of that someplace else when you go somewhere else. And so you'll see that in the other Gospels as well. But Jesus uh, preached this. It only took him 18 minutes to preach his sermon. So I determined that my sermons were going to be 18 minutes long. Now, introductions, before I get there, can be quite lengthy, okay? But 18-minute sermons, I thought, you know, uh, there's just something about this Jesus who preaches this sermon. The Bible tells us that when he did, he went up on the hillside, on the mountainside, and he sat down. And his disciples came to him. And he began by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger, thirst after righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And blessed are you when men shall persecute you and revile you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And then he goes on and he's, he lets them know. First he speaks to their character. This is who you need to be. And he talks about their insides and, and compare that with the rest of the world. And then after he does that, he says, if you're persecuted, you're on the right side because you're doing the right things and the world will persecute those who are doing righteous things. Okay, that's just going to happen. And then he says, but the world needs you. You are the salt of the earth. The world needs you. You are the light of the world. And then he, he just gives significance to who they are when they become who they should be first. And so with this sermon, it's not so much preached as it is just shared life and what life ought to really be about. And one of my granddaughters was in second grade, Worthington Christian, or not Christian school, but Worthington uh, Slate Hill Elementary, if anybody knows where that is. That's where she was as a second grader. And my son and his wife were going in for a conference, parent-teacher conference. They, as they sat down, the teacher just starts laughing, shakes her head. She says, before we go to the conference, I just got to share this with you. Audrey, just this week, a teacher was reading a book about Betty Bunny. Anybody know? I don't, I've never heard of the book. She said, I'm reading this book about Betty Bunny. 
And all of a sudden, I come across this passage, this, this reading that says, so-and-so was a handful. And she said, I don't think any of my second graders are going to know what a handful is. So she said she put down the book and looked at the class and said, does anybody know what a handful is? And little Audrey shoots her hand up in the air and she goes, I know. That's me. I'm a handful. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I mean, to recognize it within yourself is a good thing, right? And she'd been told that before, obviously. But what I want you to do right now is to turn to somebody. Do not let anybody get away, okay? You turn to somebody. Let everybody, you got to point to somebody and say, you know what? You can be a handful, all right? Go ahead and do that. Don't let anybody escape. Point to somebody and say, you can be a handful. Now, some of you said that with a little more passion than others, okay? And that's okay. But I think one of the things that Jesus is reminding us is that we can all be a handful, right? Amen? Amen. We are. We are. We can be there. I'm sure Audrey gets it straight from Grandpa. That would be me. I was the one that was hauled out of church and spanked and then brought back into the church when there was no air conditioning, right? And so everybody got to hear it. I love, I love the one about the little boy he's getting dragged out and he's going, pray for me. You know, I love it. Just, you can see that that was probably me. We can all be a handful. We can. And what Jesus does is honestly takes on life and says, you know what? This is where you need to go. This is what you need to be. Be a perfect even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Oh, wow. I know that's humanly unattainable but what a goal and we keep getting closer and closer this is a sermon that i believe only jesus could preach i really believe that only jesus could preach it see after i had memorized the sermon on the mount then i began to dramatize it and i would dress up in the costume and i would grow the beard and i actually had hair back then and I would do it in church camps and at other churches and dramatize and in my 20s and my 30s and 40s and figured when I was into my 50s, they didn't need a bald Jesus doing dramas. But the thing was, is that whenever you do it, how many of you have ever done a drama? You, you've been in a skit, you've played a part. Come on, if you've been there, yeah. In order to do it well, you have to become the character. Do you know what it's like to try to imagine yourself as the Son of God? I remember the first time that I ever did it. I'd memorized the words, but I was just outside the door waiting to be introduced. And I'm thinking, I've got to be Jesus for the next 18 minutes, or no one's going to understand the authority that he speaks with. Right? And so... I don't think anyone else could have ever preached this sermon. Why? Because he goes on and he says, you've heard that it's been said, thou shalt not kill. Now, where have you heard that? Old Testament, Ten Commandments, right? And then he goes, but I say to you, whoa. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Where have you heard that? Word of God, Ten Commandments. 
But I say to you, any other preacher says that, and he's, he's fake. But the Son of God become flesh, live among us, and then say, I know what the Word says, but this is really what the Word wants you to understand, wants you to be. And I believe that only Jesus could have preached this sermon. There's a, a man by the name of Charlie Chaplin, um, probably before most of your time, before my time. Um, but in the 1914s, he began making movies, silent movies, okay? And then he did movies with sound, made over 40 movies, became the craze in America and Europe and everywhere. And they would do Charlie Chaplin look-alike contests, all right? Now, Charlie Chaplin had that walk, right? He had a cane, and he would walk that. He had that stash. He had the top hat. And they would have these Charlie Chaplin look-alike contests all over the place. Got a picture here from 19 and 21, okay? It's in Washington. And these are the people that had entered into that contest, all right? Charlie Chaplin look-alike contests. In 1918, just three years before this picture was taken, Charlie Chaplin decided that he would enter a Charlie Chaplin contest. Hilarious, isn't it great? I love it. He enters into his own contest. Guess who doesn't win? <laughs> Guess who doesn't even make the top 10? He came in 20th place in a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. All right? Isn't that amazing? That people can have a distorted picture of who he really was that they wouldn't even recognize him when he was there. And I believe that so many people around us have that distorted view of who God is. And I think that when Jesus then sits down on the rock and the people are coming to him, they want to know who this God is. They want to understand him. And so Jesus begins by saying, yes, I am God come in the flesh. And you've heard this. You've read it. You've studied it. You've memorized it. But this is what it's after. And he reveals to them who God really is, walking in the flesh and among them. I don't believe anyone else could have preached this sermon, but I believe that it's one that we all need to get a hold of so that we can understand the people that God wants us to be. And when we become that person, then we will be happier in our lives than we've ever been. If God intended something and he's created us in his image, then we're only going to be happiest when we fit that image. The more that we are taken away from it, the less success inside, the less joy, anything and everything else we're going to have. So that was point number one. Point number two, and I only have two points, you'll be glad to know. Somebody told me there was a vicious rumor going around that said that I preached for two hours. I think Danny started that. I told somebody this morning in the first service, I have never preached over an hour and a half in my life, okay? No, but generally, I would go 25 to 30 minutes. And this morning, I just have two points. The second point is, he's got this. He's got this. 
if really and truly he is the son of God, then he knows who we are. He knows what we ought to be. He knows where we're headed. He knows what's going to come in our life before we know. And he's got this. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet for your body what you shall put on. For is not the life more than meat and the body more than clothing? And then he gives natural illustrations. He says, behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Or which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature? And why do you think about what you're going to wear? Consider the lilies of the field. You remember that? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed into like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. So take no thought, saying, what, we, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or with what shall we be clothed? Because after all these things do the Gentiles seek, but seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. What is he saying? He's saying, I've got this. You need to trust me for this. You know, I found that through life, I only worry about the things that I'm concerned about. And I'm only concerned about the things that I love. I love my grandkids. So I become concerned about them. If I be, forget about God, it turns into worry. But he's got this. What I want you to do is to think, what is it that just keeps you up at night? What is it that all of a sudden you begin to find yourself thinking about this again? It could be your health. It could be occupation. It might be that some of you during this awful past year has lost your job. It could be your kids or your grandkids. That's kind of where I am at this point. It's the grandkids, a 13 and 15 year old in today's world. It is tough. It is harder than what I was there. I can tell you that. And if I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I can't get back to sleep, guess where my mind goes? It goes to those grandkids. And then what do you do with it? You find yourself keeping on going back there. You've got to remind yourself and then to pray, I know, God, you've got this. And I just lay them before you. Here they are. And then somehow or other, I've got to turn my mind to other things because God's got it. And we have to learn to do that. Now, when we get to the third sermon this month, we're going to talk more about anxiety and how to deal with it and what things God would have us to do. But for right now, what I'd like you to do is think about what is that one thing that keeps coming back to your mind? 
that you're concerned about, that if you let it, it would turn into worry, unbalanced, forgetting about God. What is that one thing that keeps coming to you, okay? Because I want us to pray about that one thing. I just want us to let go of it this morning. Think about it. One thing. What keeps coming back? Would you bow your heads and look? Can we just pray for a moment? Father, your word is alive. It's active. It's meant for us today. And, and things that we love, people that we love, that's not wrong. To be concerned about them is not wrong. But to forget that you've got it, that's wrong. So, Father, each one of us, whatever it is in our lives, we just want to lay it before you now. Just say over again and over again, you've got it. And I will trust you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're always going to have struggles in this world. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, right? You're going to have struggles. It just provides another opportunity to trust God. It really does. My, uh, my friend in ministry, Dan Hamilton, is uh, retiring. He's been at Croton for 30-some years, Croton, Ohio, just on the other side of Sunbury. And uh, he was sharing this one story with me about... Uh, he likes to bike ride. Anybody here? Cyclists? Any, any of you? Okay, some of you. I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. A nice bike ride I like, okay? But too much of a bike, I've had two lower back surgeries, and so just bending over that kind of thing. Uh, somebody suggested that recumbent bike, you know, where you lay down and you can do this kind of thing. If I could fall asleep doing that, I'd be fine, but I, I, I couldn't do that. But Dan was telling about it. He was part of a group that would do bike rides, I mean long ones. They would go from the Ohio River all the way to Lake Erie, overnighters and, you know, and, and I'm going, my goodness, I, 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 that would not be enjoyable for me. Um, but he was telling his grandson about this. Oh, yeah, we got to see this, and we did this, and we went all the way from the Ohio River all the way up to, and I thought, you know what, as he's saying that, why didn't he just start at Lake Erie and coast all the way down to the Ohio River? Um, but all that ride, and he's describing this to his grandson, and after he's done, the grandson looks up and he goes, Dad, Grandpa, does, does that make you famous? And I thought, that's hilarious. All the way from Ohio to Lake Erie, does that make you famous? He goes, no. He says, that doesn't make me famous. Makes me sore, tired, irritable, a few other things, but it does not make me famous. And I only introduced that thought because Jesus never came to earth to be famous. He came as God to walk our earth, to show us that it could be done, to let us know that when he goes to the right hand of the Father, we have somebody that's been there, done that. And when he says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age, he can be walking every step along the way. He didn't come to be famous. We've got entertainers that do that. Sports heroes and movies and singers and 
Jesus isn't just another one of those. He's the Son of God, amen? And he lives life with us when we invite him into our lives. We're going to close with this. I, I don't know you, so I don't know whether you've ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you need to do both. To save you from your sins, but also to lead you in your life. He knows what's best. He wants to. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, what it really boils down to is trust. Do I trust in who he says he is? He's the Son of God. Do I trust in what he says he can do? And that is forgive my sins. Do I trust in what he says he can do after I die that he can take me to heaven? It's all a matter of trust. And when that becomes a very important part of your life, then the rest of it comes pretty easy. And that is that I will confess him before men. And I am so stinking sorry for my sin. That's called repentance. I'm going to change. And I will just be buried with Christ in Christian baptism. I, I want to do away with that old man. I want to start it all over again. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, we're going to pray and then we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And if you need to do that, we don't want you to, to walk away without giving your life to Christ. There will be someone here from the church, an elder, staff member, that will receive you and talk with you about it, okay? Let's pray together.